Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Gundog by Gary Witta Chapter 28 Dakota, of course, knew exactly which township to head for. But first, she had something else on her mind, a question that had been gnawing at her since Bismarck, and which only now did she have the opportunity to ask. What about Falk? she said. What about him? Rosie replied. You promised you'd look for him at Bismarck, said Dakota. Did you find him? Is he there? In case you didn't notice, Dakota, I didn't have much time in there before you had to haul ass out. You promised me you'd look. Did you or didn't you? I did. The mech don't know where he is, said Rosie. They consider him still at large. Dakota went silent for a moment, stunned. That's not possible. If you'd seen how he was... He couldn't have escaped. Could he? Dakota, all I know is what I saw in the mech network. I'm sorry. I wish I had more answers for you. The news was a welcome surprise. And yet, it aided Dakota even more than her belief that he'd been captured. Painful though it was, it might have been easier to simply have learned that he was dead and gone. Now... Now she was stuck having no idea what had become of him. If the mech didn't have him, then who did? Where the hell was he and how and why? She couldn't even begin to guess at it. It made no damn sense. Dakota, said Rosie, I need you focused. I need you to set Falk aside for now. This next part's important. Think of Sam. Thinking of Sam didn't make her feel much better. She should have asked Rosie to search the mech archives to discover his fate, too. To find out if he was even still alive. If he had survived the torturous interrogation he'd doubtless been subjected to. But Rosie was right. And every moment wasted was a moment he might be suffering at their hands. Suddenly, there was only one place she wanted to be. I'm ready, she said. Let's lock in a course for the township. Already done, said Runyon. 380 clicks southwest. Should be one hell of a homecoming. Oorah, said Rosie. The Liberator made great bounding strides across the plains, Runyon pushing it close to its speed limit, thrilled to have full operability at his fingertips once more. They traveled mostly without incident, their only encounter occurring when Rosie's long-range sensors picked up a lone rover on patrol. They maneuvered to stay out of its detection range and continued on their way. Dakota was, as ever, 
itching for some target practice, and argued that she could easily take out a rover from outside its detection range. It would never know what hit it. But Rosie preferred to play it safe. The relatively light mech activity since Bismarck suggested they were presumed dead, and that the search for them had been called off. But the mech would still be on a heightened state of alert, and even a single rover failing to report in would rouse their suspicions and increase deployments. So Dakota had to be content to tap her fingers, agitated, on the triggers of her inactive weapons in preparation for the battle to come. There would be plenty to shoot at soon enough. They crossed the border from what was once South Dakota into what was once Wyoming without incident. And by dawn on the third day, the township perimeter was visible on Dakota's long-range scope. She sat in the gunnery chair in silence, just looking at the fence line in the far distance, thinking about how different the journey back had been from the outward leg. It had taken weeks for her to reach the Four Faces, sometimes managing only a few miles a day as she and Falk prioritized stealth over speed, terrified of being detected by the mech. The return journey had been completed in a fraction of that time, and without fear or trepidation. In fact, the prospect of encountering a mech in the wilds not only no longer terrified Dakota, she welcomed it. And that pointed to the biggest change of all, her. She was returning to the township not as the frightened young woman who had left it, but as someone entirely new, strong, empowered. And not only because she was surrounded by 600 tons of military hardware, but because she was now with her mother and the man who had become her best friend. In this moment, she felt unstoppable, invulnerable. This is where Bismarck pays off, said Rosie. We've got their internal communication protocols. And I'm tapped into the township's comm system. They won't be able to send a distress signal. It's just us and them. And Sam, Dakota reminded her. There was violence coming. And the township's defenses were going to take one hell of a beating at the hands of the Liberator. But Sam was still being held captive in there somewhere. And Dakota wasn't willing to risk him getting hurt. Way ahead of you, said Rosie. I think I already found him. The cockpit's holographic display threw up a schematic of the township, hundreds of moving sensor blips indicating the thermal signatures of the human labor force. The view zoomed in, and one blip in particular was highlighted. There's only a single human in this structure here, separate from the other prisoners, Rosie said. Dakota recognized the building immediately. That's the administration block, she said. Humans aren't allowed anywhere near it unless they're being taken there for interrogation. That's gotta be Sam in there. I concur, said Rosie. Once we've pacified the main mech security force, you'll disembark and get him out of there. I'll back you up on sentry if needed. You guys ready for this? Dakota slipped her hands into the Liberator's weapons control armatures and flexed her fingers as she wrapped them around the trigger grips. The township's drone security force was more than sufficient to keep a passive, unarmed human population contained, but it would be no match for the Liberator. She allowed herself a smile. Oorah, she said.
In the township, it was a morning like any other. Until it wasn't. The worker population had just broken up from the morning headcount and were setting about their assigned duties under the watchful eyes of the mech security drones. As they did every day, the giant video screens erected around the township displayed the day's labor assignments and other worker information, interspersed with the usual archival footage. Culled from the old news networks, of the mech's peaceful arrival on Earth and humanity's subsequent betrayal, a constant reminder that the humans held captive here were atoning for the sins of their ancestors. And then something changed. First, the screens went blank. That attracted the attention of every worker instantly. The screens were a constant presence, impossible to ignore, and so too it was impossible not to notice when they suddenly all went dark. The sound feed fell silent as well, leaving the township eerily quiet and still. And then, the screens lit up again, but not with work assignments, and not with mech propaganda. Rosie's face was now displayed on each and every screen, looking directly at the human prisoners who had begun to assemble around them. This is Lieutenant Colonel Rosalind Bregman, United States Air Force, she began. I'm here to inform you that you've been lied to your entire lives. And now, the time has come for you to learn the truth. The mech did not come in peace. They came as conquerors, attacking without warning or provocation. Watch, and you will see what really happened when they arrived here 30 years ago. Rosie's face dissolved away, and the archival news footage returned to the screens. For a moment, many of the township workers assumed that the normal broadcast had resumed, that whatever pirate's signal had briefly cut in had been quickly banished by the mech security countermeasures. But then it became clear that this was not the same footage they were used to seeing. This was something else. They watched as old television newscasts played on the giant screens, depicting scenes of curious and anxious humans massing in cities around the world, gazing at the sky where giant mech space vessels hovered, casting all beneath them in shadow. They watched as the mech warships abruptly attacked everything in sight with searing beams of fire sending those who were not immediately immolated fleeing through the streets in screaming panic. And they watched as the mech fleets raised the old capitals of the world and rounded up its people like cattle. This footage was the treasure purloined from the data vault at Bismarck, the original undoctored truth of how the war began. The truth that had been hidden and replaced by a mech lie. The entire township was at a standstill. Hundreds of workers standing before the video screens wrapped. Mech drones jolted as many people as they could, trying to get them back to their assigned tasks. But the drones were accustomed only to dealing with a few stragglers at a time and simply weren't equipped to deal with a mass stoppage such as this. Even as some workers fell, the rest stood firm, entranced by the scenes playing out on the screens before them. And then the footage ended and Rosie's holographic visage returned. This is how the mech have kept you subjugated, pacified, compliant, she said. With a lie designed to shame you, 
to make you believe humanity brought this fate upon itself. Now that you know the truth of what really happened, who the mech really are, it's time to show them who we really are. The time has come to rise up and take back the world that was stolen from us. It begins here. Now. Liberation Day. A moment after Rosie finished speaking, a booming explosion shook the ground, and all present turned to see a great billowing plume of black smoke rising into the sky. The main mech security operations structure, bunkered on a hillside within the township perimeter and which no human was allowed to approach, had been reduced to a pile of flaming rubble. As mech sirens began to blare, Drones searched frantically for the source of the attack, but they were looking in the wrong place, scanning the township interior for someone who might have improvised an explosive while the true threat was approaching from outside the perimeter, striding toward the township from the scrubland to the northeast. The first drone to detect the approaching Liberator flew over the perimeter fence and raced toward it. It was obliterated instantly. Scrapped by a burst of fire from Dakota's chain guns, more drones followed, streaming from other mech structures within the township, and this time, Dakota sat back and let them come. Let their weapons fire glance harmlessly off the Liberator's armor as they buzzed about it like flies. Don't play with them, Dakota, said Rosie. We're here to do a job. Copy that, said Dakota. She hit a holographic icon that switched the multipurpose triggers from chain guns to particle beam. A short-range weapon she hadn't had a chance to really try yet. The twin beams arced from the Liberator's weapon arms, sliced into the drones, and reduced them to molten metal. This was almost too easy to be any fun. Almost. Take us in, said Rosie and Runyon piloted the gundog forward, making a point of bringing its left foot down on the perimeter fence, crushing it. Some of the township's inmates rushed into the breach, making a break for freedom, and pursuing drones swarmed, stunning the would-be escapees, sending several of them falling to the ground like puppets whose strings had been cut. Dakota quickly swung around to target those drones, again opening fire with the twin particle beams and slicing them into pieces. The exodus was quickly gaining strength, prisoners streaming through the flattened section of fence and into the woods nearby. But many stayed rooted to the spot, as though hypnotized by the sight of the Liberator, at how effortlessly it reduced their oppressors, forever thought unassailable, to pieces of molten, sparking junk. The Liberator stood its ground, swatting mech out of the sky with ease, the township's security drones were designed to contain a pacified human workforce and were woefully ill-equipped to battle a war machine such as this. It took only minutes for the entire drone force to be silenced. The few that remained now kept their distance, having quickly calculated that any further engagement was futile. The Liberator made its way across the township grounds, the humans below parting before it. When it arrived outside the administration building, Dakota popped the cockpit dome, and she and Runyon unstrapped themselves from their seats. Make this quick, said Rosie. And I need you to authorize sentry mode. 
Gunner authorize, said Dakota, as she climbed onto the outside of the Liberator and began descending its runged handholds. Pilot authorize, said Runyon, one step behind her. The cockpit dome closed and sealed above them as they made their way down. When Dakota's boots hit the ground, she panned her gaze across the curious faces that had gathered around. Her former fellow inmates. She knew many of them. And they knew her, too. Though now they looked at her in a way they never had before. In the past, whatever looks she'd gotten were of disdain or distrust. Now she saw only awe and disbelief. And hope. She drew her sidearm and made for the entrance to the administration structure, Runyon close behind. One of the few remaining drones came out from hiding to intercept them, but it instantly exploded, shattered by a sniper shot from one of the Liberator's myriad weapons. Thanks, Mom, said Dakota, as she and Runyon stacked up at the door. No problem, Rosie replied. I'll keep watch out here. Sensors are reading only a handful of drones inside. Copy that, said Dakota, and looked to Runyon. On me. It was dark inside, just as it had been inside the mech structure at Bismarck. But this building was much smaller, the hallways more narrow and direct. They heard the humming of a nearby drone and trashed it with fire from their sidearms. Then on they moved, with purpose. Two more intersections and another brief exchange of fire with another doom drone brought them to a sealed door. According to the sensor data Rosie was projecting in their visors, Sam was on the other side. But the access panel on the wall refused to work for either of them. Stand by, said Rosie. And a moment later, the door slid open with an affirmative electronic bleep. Dakota and Runyon slipped through and were immediately forced to take cover as bolts of electric flame slammed into the wall just inches from them. Two drones had been on guard inside the small room, and both were spitting fire. Dakota returned fire, winging one of the drones. It went into a wild spin, screeching, before crashing into a corner and lying still. The second came barreling at Runyon and almost knocked him off his feet. But Dakota pulled him out of its path. The drone slammed into the wall instead and spun in place before Dakota raised her pistol again and let loose a volley of fire, junking it. It fell to the ground, fritzing. Don't go near either of them, she cautioned Runyon as she scanned the room, getting her bearings. Her eyes had by now adjusted enough to see in the dim light, and she spotted vertical bars in the gloom up ahead. A cell door. Quickly, she went to it. And there he was. Sam, standing on the other side of the bars, staring at her, wide-eyed. Dak? Dakota could barely contain herself. But there would be time enough later for tearful reunions. Right now, she still had to get him out of here. Promised you I'd be back, she said. Stand aside. Sam moved back, while Dakota jammed the muzzle of her pistol into the cell door's locking mechanism and pulled the trigger. With a crackling of sparks, the door slid open. Sam staggered forward and fell into Dakota's arms. Only now did she see what terrible shape he was in. He was thinner even than usual and bore burn marks around his temple. 
evidence of whatever horrors the mech had subjected him to in their attempts to pry information from him. I told them nothing, he said, his voice barely loud enough to carry, even in this confined space. I know, said Dakota, stroking his hair. I know. From outside came the muted sound of an explosion, and a moment later, Rosie's voice was in Dakota's ear. Get back out here fast, she said. We've got a problem. <sighs> Come on, said Dakota to Sam, and she flung his arm over her shoulder and helped him toward the door. Sam threw up a hand to shield his eyes from the blinding sunlight as Dakota and Runyon helped him outside. The Liberator was waiting just where they'd left it. Hundreds of township laborers still gazing up at it in astonishment. But there was a column of smoke rising from the gundog's left shoulder. What the hell happened? Runyon asked. Something hit me. Hard. Rosie's voice came back. It's not on my scope. Can't get a bearing. Get back up here. I need to move. Dakota wanted desperately not to abandon Sam so quickly after being reunited with him. But he was in no condition to make the climb to the Liberator cockpit. And even if he were, there was no room for him up there. Some of the township workers came forward and offered their own shoulders to Sam to keep him standing. Go, said Sam, as they took him. Do what you have to. Dakota held on to his hand for a moment longer, and then she was off and running toward the Liberator. Runyon was already halfway up. When they were both in the cockpit, Runyon silenced a wailing siren as he strapped himself in. What hit us? I don't know. Came out of nowhere, said Rosie. Scope's empty, said Runyon. It must have come from- Shit! He had seen it through the cockpit glass just in time, the missile coming right at them. He threw his controls over hard, sending the Liberator lurching violently to the left. It was barely enough. The missile missed them by less than a meter, and slammed into a hillside beyond with a fiery explosion. Dakota dialed in her targeting scope and scanned the horizon. And there it was. At first, she thought it must be an instrument malfunction, that the Liberator was somehow projecting an image of itself back onto its own scope like a mirror. For their attacker, silhouetted on the horizon on the far side of the township, a little under a thousand meters out, was another ACB. Another gun dog. Is that... Runyon, check my scope. Do you see what I see? Runyon pulled up the hollow image of Dakota's scope on his own console. That's a gun dog, he said, in awe. How, how can that be? Another one? Another one of ours? I see it, said Rosie. And no, it's not one of ours. Oh, those sons of bitches. They totally ripped us off. Are you saying that's a mech? Runyon said. Sincerest form of flattery, Rosie replied. And fair enough, I guess. It's not like we didn't steal a bunch of tech from them. Well, this is certainly going to be interesting. Why didn't our sensors pick it up? Runyon asked. Some kind of stealth tech similar to ours is my guess, said Rosie. Watch out, more incoming. The zoomed-in target scope showed plumes of smoke emanating from the approaching mech walker. And then a barrage of mini-rockets came spiraling toward them. 
Runyon juked the Liberator sideways, causing the township workers below to scatter, and fired off a volley of countermeasure flares into the air. The mech rocket volley veered upward and detonated harmlessly amid the soaring fireworks display. We can't do this all day, said Rosie. Dakota, you've been itching to really let loose. Be my guest. Dakota zeroed her weapons and angled for a shot. The mech walker was still close to a kilometer out, beyond the range of most of her heavy-hitting artillery, but the M99 heavy tactical rifle could hit a target at five clicks. She dialed in on the mech walker and fired, only to watch the shell glance harmlessly off its armor. The mech returned fire with a heavy long-range rifle mounted on its right shoulder. The shell came in at a velocity too fast for Runyon to dodge, and the incoming shot impacted the cockpit dome, putting a deep crack in it that spiderwebbed across the reinforced superglass. Heavy armor, and it has us outranged, said Rosie. If we're gonna even these odds, we need to get up close. Runyon, let's go straight at it. Uh, <laughs> are you sure? Said Runyon. I'm sure that we're not gonna last long if we keep letting that thing use us for target practice from long range, said Rosie. Move! Runyon shifted into gear and threw the Liberator forward at speed, striding and then galloping across the township compound and over the perimeter fence onto open ground. The mech walker was now coming fast at them, too. The two metal giants racing toward each other across the open plain. As the distance between them closed, Dakota saw her weapon systems lighting up, her target coming into range. Don't be shy, Gunner, Rosie said. Light that fucker up! Dakota flexed her arms within the gun control armatures, selected the twin chain guns, and let rip. It wasn't easy to hold on a target with the Liberator moving at full speed, but by now, the enemy was so close it took up almost her entire scope and was impossible to miss. The chain guns flared, sending a stream of shells tearing into the mech walker's armored plating. The mech responded in kind firing off a cluster of rockets that slammed into the Liberator's chest and knocked it momentarily off balance. Sirens wailed in the cockpit as Runyon fought to regain attitude control. I need you to hold us steady if I'm gonna get a clean shot, shouted Dakota over the blaring alarm. I'm trying, Runyon shouted back, wrestling with the controls. Moderate damage to armor frontside central, Rosie announced. We can't take too many hits like that. Why are we dancing around this son of a bitch? Dakota, show him what we're made of. Dakota let rip with every close-range weapon she had. Cluster rockets, chain guns, particle beam. As they tore into the mech walker, it lurched backward, but only for a single step before it widened its stance and dug in with both feet, plowing deep furrows in the earth. It then launched itself at them with more speed and agility than its bulk suggested it was capable of returning fire with its own array of weapons. The Liberator took the full brunt at close range, mech shells raking over its torso, a searing heat beam leaving a deep welt across its armor. Smoke rose from the damaged sections, and a cacophony of alarms sounded inside the cockpit. Rosie, can we shut those alarms off? I already know we're getting our ass kicked, Runyon shouted. The alarms fell silent. Dak, what else you got? 
I'm already giving it everything, Dakota replied. It's not enough. She locked in with her scope and fired another volley of rockets. They exploded against the mech walker's armor, but appeared to do only minor damage. I think we need to get in closer, said Rosie. Closer? said Dakota. The mech walker was already a mere 20 meters away, filling up much of her field of view. How much closer can we get? Right up in its goddamn face, said Rosie. I boxed in the Air Force. What this bastard needs is a good old-fashioned beatdown. Runyon! He hesitated. That thing's a lot bigger than us, he said. The bigger they are, the harder they fall, said Rosie. You want to keep making excuses, soldier? Or do you want to fight? Dakota thought she heard a muttered fuck it as Runyon sent the Liberator driving forward at full speed. The mech walker was too close to dodge, and the Liberator smashed right into it, over a thousand tons of war machine colliding in an ugly tangle. As they grappled, metal grinding on metal, Dakota thrust one of the Liberator's weapon arms upward into the mech walker's midsection and pulled the trigger. The mech disengaged and reeled backward, sparking and bleeding hydraulic fluid. But it swung around fast, pivoting at the waist and launching a vicious counterpunch with its right arm. It connected with enough force to knock the Liberator clean off its feet and flying backward, and when it crashed down, it left a shallow crater in the earth. The mech walker lumbered forward, damaged but still ticking, and stood over the fallen Liberator. Dakota could only look up in horror through the cracked cockpit glass as the mech aimed down at them with an arm bristling with weapons. Runyon reached for his controls, only to cry out in pain. His arm was broken. All he could do was throw the entire weight of his body against the control yoke. He fell across it forcing the yoke over hard. And the Liberator rolled to evade as the mech walker opened fire, a stream of explosive shells plowing into the earth instead. The mech walker reoriented itself and reached down to grab the Liberator. Effortlessly, it lifted the massive gundog off the ground and flung it clear across the open plain, back toward the township. Workers fled as the gundogs sailed over the perimeter fence and crashed down on one of the factory buildings, reducing it to splinters as though it were made of matchsticks. Despite being strapped in by her harness, Dakota twisted her ankle badly in the crash. She ignored the pain and scanned her console wildly to discern their status. It was chaos, a visual cacophony of flashing warning lights indicating damage to multiple systems. Get us up, Runyon, she said. That thing is still coming. We need to get back up. Runyon, get up! She looked back at Runyon, who was bleeding from a gash in his head and looked dazed. But he had enough presence of mind to reach for the controls with his one good arm, to work the pedals with his feet. Slowly, the Liberator began to rise from the pile of smoking rubble where the township factory had once stood. How much damage? Dakota asked. She was cycling through her weapons, looking for something that was still online. We don't even have time for me to list everything that's broken, said Rosie. Let's just say it's bad. Most of my weapons are down, said Dakota. All I've got left is the M99. The heavy tactical rifle was a precision one-shot killer of small to medium-sized targets at distance, 
but its long barrel made it unwieldy and imprecise at close range, and it was slow to chamber a new round after each shot. Plus, its first round had already ricocheted uselessly off the mech walker's armor. Not much use to them in their current circumstance. Unless... Runyon, stay down, said Dakota. Let it come to us. Are you crazy? Runyon said. I've got one idea. It might be our only shot, said Dakota. But we have to let it in close. Trust me. Runyon, trust her, said Rosie. Runyon relaxed his grip on the controls, and the Liberator collapsed back down into the rubble. From the point of view of the approaching mech walker, and to those township workers who looked on in dismay, it looked broken and defeated. And perhaps it was. But not yet, Dakota told herself. Not yet. The mech walker lumbered over without consideration for the humans beneath its feet, who fled in terror before it. It stood over the prone and unmoving liberator and paused for a moment, as if to sneer, to revel in its moment of victory. Then it moved in closer, put its massive foot on the liberator's chest, and leveled its rocket arm directly at the cockpit dome. Dakota, said Runyon. Close enough, Dakota thought. She raised the heavy rifle and jammed the muzzle into a horizontal aperture at the front of the mechwalker's head. At that moment, She couldn't help but think that the narrow slot resembled a mouth. Smile, you son of a bitch, she said, and pulled the trigger. The shell tore through the mechwalker's head, shearing it clean off. The decapitated body fell away to the side and collapsed in a smoking heap as what remained of its head tumbled across the township yard before finally coming to rest. Oorah, Rosie exclaimed. Now that's how you do it, girl. Runyon leaned forward in his chair and clapped her on the shoulder. Great shot, Dak. Just maybe next time tell me what the plan is in advance. Back on your feet, soldier, said Rosie. Yes, ma'am, said Runyon. Dakota merely exhaled with relief. As Runyon got the Liberator up off its back and standing once more. As it rose from the rubble of the destroyed factory, Heavily damaged but still functioning, the township workers congregated around it, cheering. Pop the hatch, said Dakota. I gotta get down there and see Sam. Wait, said Rosie. Look. Rosie threw up a holographic indicator to highlight something outside the cockpit. It was the blasted wreckage of the mechwalker's head, lying on the ground about 20 meters away, emitting sparks and smoke. Township workers had begun to congregate around that, too. But now, they backed away as something within the wreckage moved, like a baby bird emerging from its egg. Something inside was trying to get out. What the hell is that? said Runyon. I don't know, said Rosie. It was Dakota who realized it first. It's the pilot. Sure enough. A metal panel in the head was bent back, and a mech biped emerged, damaged and disoriented. A monstrous, oversized, mechanical approximation of a humanoid form. Dakota had seen mech like this twice before, 
during her time on the run with Sam. She knew what it was. This was a commander, a mech brain, one of their most prized and senior units. It stumbled free of the wreckage and looked around at the humans surrounding it, who were now slowly backing away as it rose to its full, intimidating height. Dakota, said Rosie, that thing's still dangerous. Finish it off. You read my mind, said Dakota, aiming the Liberator's rifle at the commander and dialing in for a shot. But when she pulled the trigger, nothing happened. Shit, she said. It's jammed. Pump the trigger a couple of times to clear it, Rosie instructed. It'll take a few seconds. As Dakota did so, the mech commander below lumbered forward awkwardly. It was dragging one foot, damaged, but otherwise appeared fully operational. It raised its right arm, a multi-barreled weapon where its hand would normally be, and fired twice into the crowd. Two men dropped to the ground, dead. The two who had been supporting Sam. As the others around him scattered, the commander lurched towards Sam and grabbed him by the neck, pulling him close. Sam, cried Dakota. The rifle jam had cleared, but she no longer had a clear shot. The mech commander had made Sam into a human shield, its weapon arm pressed against his head. It looked up at the Liberator cockpit. Surrender, it said, in its grotesque mimicry of a human voice. One thing was clear. This mech knew who Sam was, knew exactly who was up in that cockpit. Though it was heavily damaged and massively outgunned, it now held the only card it needed. The township's last remaining drones began to reemerge from hiding, forming a protective perimeter around their commander. Dakota relaxed her trigger finger. Even if she was confident of her targeting, the M99 was such a high-caliber weapon that there was simply no chance of hitting the commander without taking out Sam, too. Open the cockpit, she said. We're going down there. What? said Runyon. Dak, we can't. That thing'll kill us. I'm not risking Sam, said Dakota. But if we activate sentry mode and get him separated from that mech, Rosie can take the shot. I don't like this, Runyon said. I don't care much for it either, added Rosie. If one of you has a better idea, now's the time, Dakota replied. Runyon groaned and closed his eyes. Pilot authorize, he said reluctantly, and unstrapped himself from the pilot's chair. Gunner authorize, said Dakota, as she released her own harness. She opened the cockpit hatch, and together they climbed down the handholds on the outside of the Liberator, then walked directly toward the mech commander which was still maintaining its iron grip on Sam. For all its humanoid form, the commander had nothing that resembled a human face. And yet still, it seemed to Dakota that it was somehow smiling at them. Disarm, the commander said with a metallic rasp. The mech drones that had parted to allow Dakota and Runyon to approach now converged once more to form an armed perimeter around them trapping them in this standoff. Deck, don't, said Sam, struggling to speak with the mech's arm clamped tight around his throat. Take this asshole, 
Shoot through me if you have to. Dakota removed her sidearm from its holster and tossed it into the dirt at her feet. Runyon hesitated, then did the same. Humans, the mech commander said. Weak. Throughout the chaos, the giant video screens erected around the township had continued to operate, and were still now showing the footage Rosie had fed them of the mech's unprovoked attack on Earth. Many of the township laborers still watched it, even as the scene before them played out, looking back and forth, as if trying to make sense of it all. And then one of them stepped forward from the crowd, and Dakota was shocked to see a face she recognized. Carmichael, the sneering doubter who had started the fight at the wreck hut, what seemed like a lifetime ago. There was no doubt in his expression now. He strode purposefully toward the mech commander with a look of murderous intent. A mech drone maneuvered to intercept. Carmichael didn't even slow. The drone jolted him, sending him to the ground, convulsing. And for a moment, all was still. Then another man stepped forward, and a young woman. They too were jolted into submission. But even as they fell, more and more were coming forward to replace them. The mech drones stopped as many as they could, but people were now surging forward in overwhelming numbers. The township workers closed in on the mech commander, from all sides. An ever-tightening noose of human bodies. Still holding on to Sam, the commander raised its free weapon arm and began firing wildly, dropping more human bodies to the dirt. But it was too late, and its enemies too many. They swarmed over the mech, and it thrashed violently against them as they dragged it to the ground and set about attacking it with tools, pipes, rocks in their bare hands. It all happened so quickly that within moments, Dakota could no longer see the mech, lost somewhere within the human scrum. She rushed in and found Sam amidst the melee, pulling him free of it. The two embraced, gripping each other tightly. Please disperse. Rosie said over the Liberator's loudspeaker. The seething human throng gradually began to break up, revealing what now remained of the mech commander. It had been literally ripped apart, torn and smashed to pieces. All that remained was a scattered collection of twitching mechanical parts. A similar fate had met the security drones, also reduced to scrap. Sam, said Rosie. Come here, let me look at you. Sam looked up at the Liberator. Who are you? He asked. I'm your mother. Sam looked to Dakota, confused. It's kind of a long story, she said with a smile. Plenty of time to tell it on the way home, said Rosie. Epilogue. Dakota and Runyon returned to the Liberator and oversaw its repairs. The destroyed remains of the mech walker and commander were more than enough to fuel the particle reprocessor and restore it to full operation. Then began the long journey from the township. The Liberator, leading an exodus of hundreds of former human slaves across the Wyoming plains toward South Dakota. 
The same journey Dakota and Runyon had made on foot, but felt like a lifetime ago. Progress was slower than if the Liberator had been traveling alone, as it was limited to the speed of the slowest members of its human entourage, but still faster than the time Dakota and Runyon had made on their original outward journeys, as there was no longer any need to cower and hide from mech patrols waiting for them to pass. They visited two more townships along their path and liberated them as well. By the time they were done, the human swath gathered around the Liberator as it strode across the country, numbered nearly a thousand. They crossed into South Dakota and traveled over the hills and valleys until they arrived at the Four Faces. I don't understand, said Dakota. I thought you destroyed the hangar. I destroyed that hangar, said Rosie. Everyone, please gather round and watch your feet. And the ground gave way beneath them as they realized they were standing on a giant elevator platform hidden beneath the forest floor. The elevator descended into darkness, carrying the Liberator and its human congregation deep underground. The gun dog then stayed behind as Rosie's voice, emanating from loudspeakers in the walls around them, led them down a cavernous hallway. When her voice told them they had arrived, Dakota, Runyon, and Sam looked around in the gloom, unsure at first exactly what they had arrived at. Then Dakota made out the shape of something large and familiar, looming over them up ahead. Though what she thought it might be didn't seem possible. Is that another gun dog? She asked. It will be when it's finished, said Rosie. And then the overhead lights flickered on, sequentially in rows, beginning directly above them, and moving along the ceiling high above until the entire space had been illuminated. They were standing in a vast hangar, so large it seemed to extend to infinity. The gun dog Dakota had glimpsed in the gloom was in fact an incomplete skeletal chassis, its armor plating and other components still waiting to be installed, and arranged in orderly rows behind it were dozens more just like it more than a hundred unfinished gun dogs in various stages of construction. An entire army of war machines, just waiting to be assembled. It was a breathtaking sight. I told you the Liberator was only a prototype, said Rosie. This is the real factory floor. Where we were preparing the others that would follow. That will follow. We still need to finish building them. And when that's done, We'll need pilots, gunners, engineers, support, and maintenance crews to help us fight what's coming. What's coming, Sam said. When word of what we started gets back to the mech homeworld, they'll send reinforcements, said Rosie. And when they get here, we'll be ready. We won the first battle, but the real war is only just beginning. Do I have any volunteers? Oorah said Dakota, a smile creeping across her face. And then she heard the same from behind her, one of the liberated township workers, with her fist raised in the air. Another fist went up, then another, and another, a whole sea of them, as a chorus of oorahs rippled through those assembled. Good, said Rosie. Then let's get started.
here's what I know. The mech did not come to us in peace. They came to conquer and enslave us. And they did. With ruthless efficiency. For 30 years. But no longer. The war to liberate the human race begins here. Now. We number barely a thousand. But if a single gundog can achieve this much, imagine what an entire battalion of them can do. With the mech security data we stole from Bismarck, we've begun hacking into the comm systems of other townships to show our people the truth. Already there are reports of unrest as news of our rebellion spreads. We'll come for them all, soon enough, and our numbers will grow. Mom says the base sensors have detected a mech signal on the edges of our solar system, headed this way. Reinforcements. Let them come. We'll be sure to give them a warm welcome when they arrive. If we die, we'll die fighting. And I'll find Falk. I know he's still out there somewhere. Still alive. Wherever he may be. However long it takes, I'll find him. That's it. That's all I know. Gundog was created and written by Gary Witta and performed by Shannon Woodward. Special appearance by Troy Baker. Music by Austin Wintery. Edited by David Gatewood. Sound editing by Adam Nickerson. Video editing by Chandana Ekanayaka. Five minutes. A transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.